0: Hello and welcome to episode 11 of the Right For Your Life podcast. I am rejoined by my co-host Mike Hurley, who's back from his foray into the forest of um, Apple products that he was in last week. I don't know if he listened to that and knew that that's where he was. Did you listen to it?
1: I haven't yet, and now I'm I'm very excited to hear what exactly it was I was up to.
0: Yeah, oh, you know, you were there. You were you were you were sort of in this sort of forest of Apple products, where you know this like eye, big iPads were looming overhead, and you were having to make your way through it. Was some kind of some kind of wonderful dream for you.
1: It's, I'm surprised I forgot about it so quickly. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, indeed, indeed.
1: Must have got a bump to the head, eh?
0: Hey, it's an exciting uh, week. We've got a couple of sponsors.
1: We do, don't we?
0: We do, and very appreciative we are, and excited to tell our listeners about them, because they're they're Mm -hmm. fantastic sponsors as well, not just any old sponsors, they're blooming good stuff, blooming good products. Shall we we start off with our first sponsor?
1: Yeah, and and I believe that you are going to use your professional radio voice. To tell, or, or are we going to do that second? Oh no, we're going to do that second, aren't we? So we're yeah. gonna have to wait for your professional radio voice Sorry, I'll probably put you right on edge there Ian.
0: That's alright, I mean, you say professional I mean, I haven't got, I've never been paid for using a voice um, Of any kind
1: Until today <laughs> Absolutely, of course
0: <laughs> <laughs> I hadn't even thought of it like that But yeah, you're right, I am a professional
1: You are You're a blooming professional. So um, this week's um, episode is in part brought to you by Instacast. Um, Instacast is, in my opinion, and I think in all of our opinions, really, the only way to listen to podcasts on iOS. So it's an application for your iPhone that allows you to download podcasts like this one very, very easily. Now, if at the moment you're currently using iTunes, you're doing this in one of two ways you're going into the iTunes store on your phone and downloading each episode when it shows, or you're plugging your iPhone in or doing the Wi-Fi sync to mo- to sync each show straight from iTunes to your iPhone. Now, if you're currently doing this, you must be told by now by us that there is a much better way for you to do it, and that solution is Instacast. Instacast is a standalone iPhone application where you can select what you can basically search through a list of podcasts that are in the iTunes store, or you can search by name or however you want to try and get your podcasts and you can download them all and listen to them at your heart's content. Now, so basically what Instacast does is you have a list of shows that you're subscribed to and you'll be able to refresh that list. The app goes out, checks to see if there's any new episodes, presents them to you, and you can download them. You can download them over Wi-Fi. You can download them over 3G. So you're not held back by the restrictions um, of 3G on the iTunes app on the phone. Um, and there's a, if you're currently using iTunes for this system you can go in on Instacast and select for it to copy all of the subscriptions you have in your iPhone music player straight over into Instacast for you, so you don't even have to go through and search and resubscribe to every podcast that you have. Um, In my opinion, and I'm sure Ian would agree, Instacast is pretty much the best way to listen to podcasts on your iPhone when on the go. Um, I've been using it since the app came out, which is over a year now, and I've not gone to any other solution Uh, Because in my opinion, there isn't anything any better. Instacast is available for $1.99, which I think is just over a pound if you're in UK money. Um, And for that price, it's an absolute steal. Would you agree with that, Ian?
0: I would agree with all of that information, even if it wasn't a sponsor and we were required to say as much. It's, um, it's um, the, the biggest thing for me. I've been using Instacast for ages, too, is that if you use the standard um, uh, iTunes method of doing things, um, you have to download the entire episode like you say for, so every time you have a, a new episode you have to download it in order to listen to it which is um I, I don't know could be any amount of megabytes but you know it's it's takes up space on your computer and it takes up space on your phone whereas instacast lets you just stream it straight from the internet and doesn't take up any space so i don't have any i don't have any uh, podcasts on my phone i don't have any podcasts on my uh, computer either i just stream them all through instacast and it's um it's awesome it's genuine it's genuinely a fantastic uh thing to have well,
1: definitely a top five app on my iphone i have to say we kind of lost you there a little bit from skype but what i will say is i'm sure you said it's genuinely awesome and utterly fantastic that's what i'm going to guess you said it was pretty much what i said yes mm. so <laughs> is this, if you are currently using itunes um to to get your podcasts, give Instacast a try and I assure you that you will have a much better experience and you, like us, will never want to go back so there you go, let's talk about um, whatever it is you want to talk about because I currently don't know what that is You're keeping it a secret from me this week.
0: Well, I like to be slightly mysterious when it gets to podcast number 11. I'm very superstitious. Um, And we're going to be talking about research. Um, uh, So I guess research when it comes to writing fiction specifically, I guess, because I'll talk a bit about my novel and the way that I approached it. Um, But I think it also applies to whether it's research for your blog or whether you're a journalist or whether you're a copywriter. Um, And... uh, and also um i suppose non fiction is slightly different so if you're writing a book on um i don't know charles dickens then you probably need to know an awful lot amount uh, an awful lot amount an awful lot about um charles dickens and um, also
1: an awful lot amount as well yeah.
0: It's a new way of saying it, um, but I guess there's there's one there's one sort of key caveat, and that's always that you have to tell a story, um, and and that applies to all of those different modes of writing that I've just described. Is that when it comes down to it, you always have to tell some kind of story. So the question that you often get asked, or that people often wonder, uh, the thing that people often wonder about is how much research should you do. Um, and I guess the first answer is, well, it depends on what it is you're writing. Um, and the other answer is that that isn't really the question you should be asking, I, I don't think. So some people might think that they have to go to, uh, for instance, go to other countries, or they might have to spend all their time in a library, or spend a fortune on travelling and books and that kind of thing. Um, but uh, that's not really the question, I don't think. It's not a question of how much you should do or whether you should do all those things. Um, what the really important thing is how much of your research should you actually include in your writing. So you can end up doing all those things, spending a fortune, travelling all over the world, but it might be appropriate for your piece of work, whatever it might be, whether you're a blogger or a novelist, whatever it, whatever it, might, be. Um, it might be. It might be that that research, it all boils down to one chapter or two or three paragraphs that it's used in. And, um, and the reason that you might only, only uh, use it uh, for part of your work is because the important thing is, as I say, um, telling a story. And I guess that's because you can't really include everything <laughs> that you ever research. So to use, use my own novel as an example... Aes for Angelica is about, um, it's about lots of things, but uh, at its heart, it's about a man who's looking after his wife, who's had a stroke, or she's had two strokes. So in order to write about something like that, in order to write about illness, I guess, or serious illness, it was important for me to know about that illness and to be able to write about it in, in an accurate way, um, because it needs to be... Um, it needs to be um, well. I need to be legitimate? able to legitimate. That's the word. I need. To, it needs to be legitimate and and, and I guess uh, truthful. And um, especially when you're dealing with serious subjects, um, you can't you can't just kind of make things up in those circumstances. Um, this
1: is why you need to think. It's not even just about making your book sound legitimate. It's also if you're talking about something like. Um, like like something serious like medical conditions you need to understand that there could be people that are reading it that could either a have suffered or suffer from such a thing or know somebody close to them so you're kind of doing these people a disservice if you've not even bothered to to look it up properly i guess because if you know if you if you had some of the symptoms or, or whatever r- wrong about a stroke it would kind of it would come off as like disingenuous i guess
0: Absolutely, and that's actually a really good point. and It's something that I've wrangled with an, an awful lot over the years, I guess. But coming back to my novel now to edit it again, I've you know I've really been thinking about exactly what you just said because it, it is really important to me that people who have either suffered uh, from uh, had a stroke themselves, or whether they care for someone who's had a stroke, it's really important to me that they read the book and say yes. That sounds right, and that that could happen. They're the two things that that I want them to think. Now, it might be that there are places, parts of my novel, that they find really uncomfortable. There might be parts of it that they find, I don't know, sound almost uh, sound. um, um, I won't say cruel, but that's not the right word.
1: Too close to home.
0: Uh, Close to home, but kind of, you know, my lead character is uh, is. He's caring for his wife, but he doesn't do. It. He's 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 doing a relatively bad job of it. So there are things. Oh, right. There are things. That, I mean, he's no, he doesn't he doesn't mean to. It's because he's it's because he's got. He's um, because he's struggling. He can't handle it. He's, that's kind of the premise of the story. He's really struggling to handle this situation that he's in, um, and so he does things that. Really, uh, you know, bad and rubbish, and he, and he and he shouldn't do them. He should handle things in an entirely different way. So there are things like that in the novel uh, that my character does that uh, that I think that uh, someone like you say who might have been in a similar position might find really difficult and uncomfortable. But the point of the st- the story and the point of the re- research is that it's um, is that I know that that is right for the story, if that makes sense. So I know that I can back it up medically, so that what, what happens is kind of, uh, while, it's, while it's a story, it's also quite, you know, plausible. So I'm going to come on to the word plausible, because I think that's quite important. Mm-hmm. Um, um, so that's important. But it is also important that it's a story that I'm telling, and that These things that 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 someone reading this might find it difficult, and people that haven't read, you know, I've had people who've read certain parts of it who've who have found it uncomfortable because parts of it are, I guess, tough reading in the sense that it's a piece of fiction, and some of it, some of it is, you know, there are plenty of jokes in there, but some of it is about serious illness, so it's quite difficult to read in places. And some people who have said, "You know, that was quite that was quite tough," and and that kind of thing, Um, but that's fine with me because that's that's a story. That's an entirely. As part of the story, it's a separate issue to whether I've got um, a part of um, Georgina, the the character who's had a stroke, part of her, uh, her condition wrong because that would be that would be that would be bad. <laughs> but mm. does that make sense? There's a distinction between between the story and the research and the research informs the story, but it's important that you always remember that you do tell a story at the same time. Otherwise, it just becomes a list of facts and you're writing if you're writing fiction you end up writing non-fiction. If you're if you if you are writing non-fiction, whether it's a blog post or a piece of uh, or a, or, you know, a piece of something for the local paper or whether it's a piece of copywriting
1: Because if your character is doing something that's wrong, it's morally wrong, but you um, misquoting some information or playing something out which is incorrect is factually wrong, and that's, that's a very different matter. Well, you have a certain responsibility
0: as a, as an author, I think, um, and uh, and again, oh, I keep repeating all these things, but it doesn't matter what you write. You do have a certain responsibility to um, your, your audience, uh, you know, the person reading it, reading whatever you've written, um, and and to the subject matter. You kind of have that responsibility. So. I, but at the same time, you also have a responsibility to the story. I guess that's my point. So yes, it's important that for me, it's important that my novel was medic- medically accurate and and plausible. But it was also important to me that I included some of those kind of tougher uh, passages because that's what told the story. So it, and 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 like I say, the same the same the idea of telling a story still applies, even if you're writing a piece of nonfiction. You don't just want all your research all your research to end up. Kind of manifesting itself in a list of facts because that's boring to read, and there's no reason why non fiction means boring to read it doesn't mean that <laughs> of course it doesn't so it's um yeah, so it's kind of it is that's that's the challenge really is how much and that's the question you need to answer it's not how much research should you do it's how much of the research should you include in your writing and uh and 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 how much of it um is gonna Help the story, and how much of it might actually have a negative impact on the story, and of course, those are the bits that you leave out. If that makes sense. Yep. So the second part of that is this idea of plausibility. Um, Now, this was really this was the toughest part of writing A's for Angelica. It was the plausibility of it because the premise of the story, and I guess I have to be careful of spoilers here because I want you all to buy it in a few months' time, (laughs) but. Um, the premise of the story is that Gordon, the lead character, his wife has had her second stroke in eighteen months. So the novel begins at that point, more or less. And he decides not to tell anyone about it. So because he's been through the process before, and because he can't, he just can't handle what's happened. He decides that he's going to look after her himself. He doesn't want to go through all the appointments again at the hospital. Hospital. He doesn't want to go through all that kind of thing. So he decides he's going to look after him, uh, look after her himself. And so that's the, the premise. There is is kind of my my first question I had to answer was, is that possible? If someone had a stroke, would it be possible for that person to not have medical attention immediately from a hospital, or from a, like a really trained professional, and survive? And I mean, I know that that's a really dark thing to think about, um, but that's kind of the question that I was faced with. So it, it was uh, otherwise. If, if that if that if that wasn't possible, if that wasn't plausible, I don't have a novel, or at least I don't have that particular novel, so that was kind of the first question and as it happened, I kind of d- decided that that was the case that would be that would be kind of all right, given certain you know provisos that I do include in the novel um I decided that would be okay, and as it happened I came to after I had got my first draft finished, I actually came to a point where I thought, do you know what I've let that go on for too long, so the actual time frame of the novel was several months. And the way that I'd, the way that I'd sort of told the story, actually, it become implausible. There wasn't really any chance that she would have, um, survived, uh, for, the, for, that length of time without any, mm. any proper medical attention. So I had to do a sort of another level of research I think, so how long, how long could that sort of plausibly go on for without there needing to be kind of a breaking point? Which, of course, the breaking point creates the conflict in the story for me and I can help tell her, you know, you know, helps with plot and I can tell the story. Um, so that was all about plausibility. Um, uh, so it was medica- medical accu- medical accuracy, but also being able to kind of validate it. So if I'd have kind of sent that, sent that version off to an agent or something like that, I guess their first question would be, and I have been asked this, um, would someone really be able to go that length of time in that condition? And uh, uh, that, after that first draft, I would have said, oh, well, I think so, the research I've done so far is you know, says as much. Um, but actually I'd have been wrong. I think that was that would have been a mistake. So it's kind of, it's how you use your research. And again, and I, I apologise, I'm basically just talking at you now, but um, the point of that was um, this idea of, of, of validation is I, got, I actually got someone else to help me. So I think it's quite easy when it comes to research these days because we have the internet and we have Wikipedia and things like that. But actually, if you want to validate something um, as important as that, which can affect the entire time frame of your novel or your, or again, or whatever it is you're writing, um, then it's important to get validation that I would say isn't necessarily just from the Wikipedia page on that particular subject. So what I did was um, I, I sent my novel off or, or certain parts of it to um, a speech therapist or a leading speech therapist in uh, Sheffield University, and um who specialized in helping people recover from strokes and um and i got them to read the novel and give me feedback on certain passages i asked them specific questions like you know could this happen or do you think that's do you think that's appropriate do you think that's too much that kind of thing and mm-hmm. they were able to give me a kind of feedback that i wouldn't have able wouldn't, wouldn't really been able to get from you know just reading something on the internet so i guess that's um i guess that's Again, ties, ties in with you know how much should you actually do. You don't necessarily have to be an expert in a subject in order to write about it. I'm, I'm definitely not an expert in stroke. I haven't had anyone have one in my family, thankfully, and, um, and I've not read up on the subject sort of endlessly. I've read up on it a lot, but not to the point where I know every single detail about stroke and caring for someone who's had a stroke and all this kind of thing. You don't need to be an expert, but you do need to get someone who is it, who is an expert, probably, to validate certain things and make sure that what you've written um, is plausible. Crikey, I wish i got a drink with me. I'm absolutely gasping.
1: You've, uh, you, you've definitely given some good good speech there. <laughs> some good speech. That was the best I could come up with. You weren't listening, speech, were you? You switched off. Well, I, I can honestly tell you, Ian... Hand on heart, I was listening to every word of that, because I actually found it really interesting. I do listen to you, you know, I don't I, well, I don't just sit here and, and uh, twiddle me thumbs and play Angry Birds.
0: I have no way of knowing. Why did you mention Angry Birds? Why would you mention that? Have you been playing Angry Birds? Not on this podcast. <laughs> oh dear, so research, so that's kind of, that's. I just um, I wanted to give a bit of a... Bit of an overview of kind of how I've approached it. And another reason that I've thought about this as a subject actually wasn't anything to do with um, all this kind of morbid stuff and kind of, um, you know, (laughs) illness related, the illness related topics that I've gone over so far. It was actually to do with um, two things. And one of them is related to the dog in my novel, which is Paul Kipling, who's very ill. As well, I'm sorry to say there's a lo- there is quite a lot of illness. <laughs> a lot
1: of death in this book. There is there or is illness at least.
0: There's a lot of illness. There is some some death and some illness in my book, but there are also a lot of jokes. There are jokes about um, painting. There are jokes about um, defecating, and there are some jokes about penises. And um, they're it's all really
1: the trifecta. <laughs>
0: and you, you know you it's a perfectly um, perfect it's not as dark as it sounds um ooh, sorry about that i just uh knocked my microphone and i apologize if that made a giant noise in your ear hole
1: sometimes i headbutt mine by accident so try not to feel too bad about it um
0: that is, that's when you're not listening isn't it? you just drop off
1: yeah that's it that's it so if you ever hear that noise it's because i've fallen asleep it
0: happens and i'm sure i'm sure so, so the two instances. One was dog-related. I won't go into details, otherwise I will spoil the fun. Um, and the second was was about quarries. I mean, how b- boring subject that sounds. Um, but it was it was whether um, for ages I've been referring to uh, the novel as having a quarry in the town. It's set in set in a mining town, and whether and uh, I've mentioned the word quarry two or three times. And it was only at Christmas that someone read my novel. My father-in-law, and he said uh, he loved it, but he said uh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure for open cast mining they call it. They call them quarries. I think they call them something else, but I'm not sure what. And again, thankfully, I had an expert on hand in the form of my dad, who uh, worked at an open cast coal mining site for about twenty odd years, and I was able to ask him. And he, do you know? Do you want to know the answer?
1: I'd love to know. The answer,
0: of course you okay. do. Of course. Um, it turns out that people do refer to um, open cast mining. Uh, pits or cuts, as they're typically called in the industry, um, as quarries, but um, it doesn't tend to be kind of something that uh, you they would be referred to actually if you're in the profession. So I've actually have oh. changed some some bits about it.
1: So it's kind of so if somebody's talking about it. To somebody else who also works in the quarry, they might not call it a quarry. Yeah, they would probably
0: call it uh, they would call it a cut. So in in, in a, in a <laughs> crikey, this has gone off on a tangent, and a fairly <laughs> tedious one of that. <laughs> but I'm going to tell you now we're here. Um, a, a, an open cast. An open, this is research, see. I do know stuff. This is from research. I now know stuff. Um, so an open cast uh, coal mining site, you would you would have. Uh, various cuts, so you might have two, three, maybe more cuts on one particular site, and a cut would basically be a hole in the ground, it's like a big extraction, and you would have different seams in a cut, so if you looked into a hole uh, or the quarry as you might call it, um, you would see different layers of coal, and mm-hmm. they'd be plucked out at a different time, but in the, in the industry you would call that a cut, so you would be on a particular cut on a particular site. There you go.
1: There you go, some but I'm going to start thinking people are learning a lot, a lot of of information they didn't necessarily expect or need. Mm. So I'm that's... not going to say all want because people <laughs> might people might want it. Who knows?
0: <laughs> Who knows? But that's two examples of two different types of research that I've had to do. One of them, uh, one of them affects the entire time frame of my novel. If I if I get that wrong, um, then. The novel doesn't really exist. The kind of the whole idea is flawed. And then there's another type of research where you include sort of what seems like quite a small detail, but actually is um, quite important and and uh, but quite a small thing. You know, it's literally it's literally a word whether I whether I include the word quarry or not. But it means it means a lot to me. Because it's about valid- validity again, which isn't easy to say. But it's about it's about someone. You know, it's about my dad reading and, and not thinking. Oh, we don't call them quarries. We never call them quarries. <laughs> Why would you call it? Why would you call it a quarry? We don't call it a quarry. We call it a pit or a cut.
1: Is that how your dad talks?
0: That is not how my dad talks.
1: <laughs> Interesting. But, I uh, have a question for you. Okay. It's it's. It's going to sound like a joke, but it's an actual serious question. Why didn't you pick something you knew more about? Why did you pick, like, um, like for example, the stroke? Like, Why did you pick mm. that subject matter? Why didn't you pick something you did know so you wouldn't have to do so much research? Do you know what you've done there? You've asked a good question. Oh, for once. Um,
0: people are surprised when I tell them that I haven't had any first-hand experience of that subject. I have to say, they are... I'll tell you what happens. I wrote the first 10,000 words of the novel as part of my creative writing um, masters that I did, and um, at the end of that 10,000 words... um, I wanted like a cliffhanger because we get marked on these things. And I I mean, I wouldn't do this uh, again, but basically what I'd done was write a a short story with a big cliffhanger. I didn't know what I was doing, really. Um, (laughs) But the cliffhanger was that um, there was uh, it was Gordon, the lead character, same person, same kind of premise. A lot of that content is actually still in the novel. Um, but it got to these te- the end of the ten thousand words, and the big reveal was this crazy man who was stood at his window making notes on all his neighbours. The, f- the, the sort of the payoff line was at the end was, and um, I have one file that's th- I have one file thicker than the rest. That file is for Georgina, my wife, asleep upstairs. End of ten thousand words and that was it so there was no mention of the wife before that or her illness there was it was kind of oh. an, there was kind of some i was it was alluded to slightly but but not really it was a real cliffhanger so i'd written that knowing in the back of my head that i got to write the rest of the novel i'm thinking crikey what am i going to do with the rest of that and um and, and so i had to think of an illness and, and that sounds really stupid i had to think of uh, what is wrong with this wife why is she asleep upstairs uh, <laughs> and uh, and why is she not being involved in the novel so far um and then what happened in that in the middle of that process was I was in a pub um after work this was in my previous job so quite a long time ago and we just went for a few drinks after work on a friday and um a woman on the table next to us had uh, a stroke and um she she just sort of had one right there in front of us
1: oh my god i was <laughs> I was about to make that as a joke. I, I, did, so...
0: I did, I did wonder if you laughed. Did you know I saw, so there was a noise from your end of the conversation. I thought, did he just laugh at that?
1: <laughs> I was about to say, oh, did she have a stroke? Oh no, that's so bad. And I feel terrible. Yeah, but I was about to to cut you in, in the way that I do and make stupid jokes, and it was about to be. <laughs> Did she have a stroke? I thought you was going to say like she was talking about it.
0: No, no, she actually My had worst. a stroke next to me. Don't feel bad about it for the rest of the that's... night and tomorrow. Though,
1: I'll try not to.
0: So that that happened right there in front of uh, right there in front of us, and um, uh, the ambulance came for her, and I think I I think she was okay. I don't think it was a serious stroke, but it was. Um, it, it left quite an impression on, on on me, as I guess it would do. um and and I guess that uh, from then on, I guess decided that I was going to write about that and I kind of read read up on it a little bit more, and I found out it was really interesting because it affects um you know it can affect anyone really and it's not not talked about in the same way that other illnesses are i guess you know the, the big big cancer charities for instance but n- not necessarily. Uh, the same kind of um, awareness of, of of strokes because um, well I don't know why I guess it just just isn't um, uh, and yet it affects so many people and I just just I don't know why I just kind of I kind of got in more and more interested in it and I just thought it was a good um, um, I kind of it, it kind of worked with the story as well it kind of worked with what I was thinking the idea of because uh, having because you have to, if someone's had a stroke you have to kind of it depends on their condition, how severe it is that you can be affected in lo- so many different ways, uh, which is why my novel I think is plausible because you can be affected and, and everyone is different, I guess really but it 's that kind of idea of someone someone having had one you kind of you, you are the, you are the same person, but you 're not there 's so much of you that changes, but there 's so much that stays the same there 's there 's no definite um, there 's nothing definite about it um, uh, in in a lot of cases if you have kind of a heart attack you have a heart attack and you're either okay or you're not um to a point you, uh, you whereas a stroke can just sort of knock out so many of your um faculties um and leave others intact bizarrely it's such a it's such an unusual thing and um i just thought that was quite a good premise for the story and and, and it kind of, it just kind of worked with what i was thinking really but there wasn't yeah i guess it is odd that i didn't think of anything that had specifically um, Happened to me They do say write about what you know And um, I guess I didn't really <laughs> Which is a bit but you d- odd But you do
1: know now though, don't you? Well
0: I do, I know about I know about stroke um, Although I'm not an expert um, And I know about Quarries and whether you should call A quarry a quarry They're <laughs> the two things I know
1: You got a lot more than a publishing contract Didn't you?
0: <laughs> yeah I did I got lots of knowledge. Well, it's quite you know that is the good thing about writing a novel or to having a blog. Even um, you know you you do learn stuff. You have to otherwise you can't really write about it.
1: Indeed.
0: So well, that's um, we're we're at half an hour. I think that's enough of my rabbiting on. I hope that was useful and vaguely interesting for folks. But before we go, this episode of the Write for Your Life podcast was also very kindly brought to you by drafts which is um god i say that in a very northern way don't i yeah
1: I was
0: (laughs) drafts you would say drafts drafts i would say drafts i would say drafts
1: (laughs) see i don't you don't lovely draft
0: exactly it's my dad again (laughs) (laughs) he's backy balls (laughs) In fact, I might try and, uh, to say this. Uh, I might read this in not in a kind of radio accent, but more in a kind of more of a broad northern accent. It's funny, Gary. Uh, when I spoke to when I talked to Gary on the podcast last week, after we finished, he says you use your posh voice there because I'm <laughs> he's from the north like me, so I, I kind of have a uh, well a radio voice, I guess, where I start trying to enunciate things properly and to speak in a proper way. Um, but actually, when I'm in real life, I do have slightly a slightly more northern drawl. Although I do talk. Um, It's not really broad. I haven't got a broad accent at all. You don't. Anyway, drafts. Do you know what drafts is? I do. Drafts is a quick way to capture and share ideas on your iPhone. When you want to tweet but not read your timeline, use drafts. When you have an idea for a status update or a quick text to jot down, use drafts. You can search or email your drafts with Markdown support only 99 cents at the app store right now that was my radio voice
1: it was very good i liked it
0: but draft is actually really good isn't it so that's kind of the official blurb but we both used it and actually think it's pretty pretty spiffo
1: mm-hmm.
0: what's your take on drafts
1: yeah I've, I've i've really been enjoying it it's it's interesting because it's like an application that you can if you have something that you want to say or an idea that you've had, you can open Draft, put it in there, and think later about what you need to do with it. So whether that is you want to tweet, you need to send Ian an email about an idea for a show topic. Um, if you want to just save it for a later date, it's just a nice place to keep little text, like little text messages. And, uh, or, or, or however, and uh, you know, the application is, is currently in strong development. I know the developer, Greg, over at Agile, taught us he's integrating many more apps and pieces of functionality for later versions to allow Drafts to integrate with an even wider base of other third-party applications. So you'll be able to do other things like add um, to task managers and stuff directly from Drafts as well. So um, it is... A very exciting application. It's good fun. It's got a lot of really great press this week, as um, in launch week, um, and uh, I'm, we're really pleased to have them sponsor the Seventy Decibels Network.
0: We are indeed. It's um, it's kind of like a quick note taker, but it actually it has a, 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 the action button at the end. So most <laughs> most note taking applications are great for just jotting down quick notes, but. Um, and uh, of stops and they there, might, they doesn't it yeah that, that's kind of it um, but this has that just that single button where you go actually I'll, I'll I'll email that or I'll copy it and put it into something else or I'll tweet it and it just has that one action button so that's the, that's kind of for me the uh, having the my, time I've spent with it so far is that kind of uh, that kind of action button at the end so you can make a quick note and then just bong send it somewhere else bong <laughs> that's the way that's the way yeah, i've got my iphone set up so that it makes a bong every time i am um, press a button that's not true no
1: <laughs> it's not true is it no but um i'll i'll, I'll let the developer know that you should try and incorporate a bong into later versions the ian broom S- special
0: stick a bong on it that's uh that's what Here you should tell
1: go. i think we're done now, ian
0: yeah i think so <laughs> i'm i'm absolutely <laughs> I fa- will. fatigued to say the least and i'm sure everyone listening is too <laughs> um where the heck can they find you where would they if someone wanted to find you where would they find you
1: the best place is probably Twitter. Um, I'm at imike, which is I-M-Y-K-E, on the Twitter. What about you, sir?
0: You can find me at Ian Broom on Twitter. That's I-A-I-N-B-R-O-O-M-E. Um And, of course, uh, net, which is the blog of this very podcast. And you should, you should read it. That's what you should do and subscribe to it and things like that. You should yeah. leave nice reviews about this podcast on iTunes. Please.
1: Hmm, that would be nice. We'd like that very much.
0: We would. Okay, that's it. It's been an absolute pleasure and a joy. I shall speak to you on the morrow, uh, uh, whatever it, whatever next week is for whatever kind of morrow. Morrow is tomorrow. Whatever that is <laughs> for next week, that's when I'm going to speak to you. week Weeco.
1: Speak to you on the week.
0: I'll speak to you on the week. Bye
1: bye. Bye bye.